So as we begin this morning, I want you to get this picture in your mind. There's a man who approaches the treadmill, and he begins, you know, just like all of us do who get on one, we just are at ground level, and I mean, we're just trying, slowly working our way up on the incline, and so this particular individual, he works it up to about a five or six incline, and you know if you've ever got it, and that's not real high, but that's higher than ground level, right? You know at that point, I mean, you're like this, and you're holding on for dear life, just trying to keep up the pace. And so this guy finds himself about 30 minutes into his workout on the treadmill, and then he begins to realize there's a slight malfunction that's going on. He's running at a fairly decent pace, doing his incline intervals, and he's wanting to start his cool down And so as he begins to push that button to cool down, nothing happens. I mean, it just continues to go at that same level. And so he hit it again, and nothing happens, and he's stuck. And at this point, he's literally beginning to freak out, and those were his exact words. And he said, you know, this mental image came to his mind I'm going to die right here on this treadmill and nobody's going to find me in time until it's too late. And then about that point after he has all these terrible mental images in his mind, a thought pops into his head that says this, Hey, stupid, just jump off the treadmill. And so that's what he did. Do you ever find yourself in life to a point to where You come face to face with things and life is just one hustle after another. I mean, we find ourselves in all this busyness and in all this muchness. I know that's probably not a word, but it is this morning because it just kind of fit. So we find ourselves in this busyness and this muchness and we don't know how we can honestly jump off the treadmill. We know that things are going too fast. And we also know that the very things sometimes that we hold on to and that we cling to in life are not the things that we need to hold on to, but we don't know what else to do. We don't know where else to turn. And so a lot of times we just hold on and we just ride until we don't know what else to do and where to turn next. How do you cope with those situations? I mean, from a spiritual perspective, how do we view these things that we sing about and all these words that we see in Scripture about hearing God and listening to God and paying attention to God and slowing down? I mean, be still and know that I am God. When is the last time where you just took the time to be still and look around you at what God is doing. A lot of times in our hearts and in our minds, what we see in this world is not good. Amen? I mean, let's face it. The news that came out on Friday, that is not the news that Christian people want to hear. Okay? That's not what we want to hear at all. But we're at a point in our country where the Constitution is a whole lot more important than what's in the eyes of God. And that's what people are buying into. 
And yet, as Christian people, we are to stand up and we are to realize there is a right way to live and there's a wrong way to live. And one of the challenges that we face as Christians is to slow down and to see what it means to be back into the Word of God and to see what God's Word has to say about whatever it is that you're thinking about at the time. And so this morning, I want you to get this picture in your mind from John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief, who is the thief, church? That's Satan. Satan comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. All three of those things are negative, right? All three of those things are things that Satan Every day of your life as spiritual warfare is going on, those are the very things that Satan wants to have in your mind. To kill, to steal, and to destroy. But Jesus comes along and he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I want us to read that together this morning. I have come that they may have life. Now you've got to convince me. Read it again. I still have not convinced me. Read it again. I there is something to be said about reading the Word of God out loud. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but I dare you this week, in your home, in your car, wherever you are, Find a time, find a place where you can read the Word of God, not just silently, not to yourself. Now, I'm not saying open up the door and go into Walmart and start shouting it out from the mountaintop. I'm not saying that. But find a time this week in your devotional time where you can read the Word of God out loud. You see, when we do that, there is power in the spoken word of God. There is power that comes from those words. You see, here's the truth that we need to buy back into that Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And that thought is this. You and I were created for so much more than we can ever imagine. I want you to hear that thought again. You and I were created for so much more than we can ever imagine. God has so much in store for you and your life that it is hard for us sitting on these comfortable or these hard or however you want to describe these pews this morning, it is hard for us to fathom what all God really wants for you to experience in life. And so, as we've been going through a series on the spiritual disciplines, ways that God wants to shape and form our lives just like his son Jesus. Do you realize that? He wants to take your very life right now, and he wants to shape it, he wants to turn it, he wants to mold it, he wants to do everything that he can so that you are created in the image of God. Now, we know that from the beginning of time, but as God comes along through his son Jesus, he wants to take your life as it is right now, 
and he wants to shape it and turn it to look more and more like Jesus. Well, one of the ways that we learn how that happens is through a process called spiritual formation, a process where we enter in to particular disciplines that we see, practices that we see in Scripture that help us in our busy lives find a way to connect to God. And so this morning, we introduce not a new concept, but we introduce a discipline called meditation. Now, here's what I'm afraid has happened. In all the reading and all the research that I've been doing on Christian disciplines over the last few months, when Christian people think of meditation, here's what we think of a lot of times. We think of somebody sitting down, and we think of some Buddhist or some New Age idea, or even yoga. How many yoga participants do we have in the audience this morning, okay? Come on, it's okay to admit that if you do yoga. It's okay. Mac Ray even does yoga, okay? So that's okay. If Mac Ray can do yoga, anybody in the world can do yoga, right? But here's what we picture. We picture somebody sitting down and kind of doing this and going, um, and we find a way to meditate on whatever that is. We think of all those things, but we do not think of it in terms of what it can do to our lives as a Christian. And yet, if you look in the Old Testament, there are over 58 references to meditation. And all of these times, I want you to look at this, all of these times refer to a listening of God's Word, they refer to a reflection of the work of God, and they also reflect a rehearsing I'm going to talk more about that word in a moment, a rehearsing of God's deeds. Now, let me show you a couple of examples. In Joshua chapter 1, he says, keep this book of the law always on your, okay, some of you are awake, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do how much? Everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Okay, meditate it, how often? Day and night. Now, here's another scripture that we looked at last week. Beautiful psalm here. At the beginning of the psalm, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law. Again, how often? Day and night. That person is like a tree. Beautiful picture here, beautiful image here. It's like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither wherever they prosper. Richard Foster has this to say about meditation. He says, meditation boldly calls us to enter into the living presence of God for ourselves. Do you see that? Enter into the living presence of God. And at this point, you're not thinking about anybody else. You're thinking about selves. You're entering, entering in to the presence of God for yourself. He goes on to say it tells us that God is speaking to the continuous present and wants to address us. God speaking to us. 
Isn't that what we long for? And as we turn page after page after page of Scripture, what we see is this. God is not only speaking to the people then, God is speaking to you. God is speaking to me. And as God is speaking to us, church, here's the deal. God has something to say. Will we as his people hear it? Not only will we hear it, but will we as his people do something about it? You see, here's a beautiful picture of Christianity that happens. When you and I enter into the story of God, we take on this story, and this story becomes our story. Isn't that beautiful? And so when you see that, you are no longer just a bystander, but you are an active participant in this story of God. You see that? And so every time you read Scripture, every time you meditate on the Word of God, God is inviting us to do so in a way that we enter into that picture. For example, when Jesus says, consider the lilies of the field. Man, that's an image. That's a picture where Jesus is inviting you to picture the field and picture the lilies and to see and to reflect and to meditate what comes after that. That's just one example of what it means to meditate. We enter in to that picture. We enter in to that particular scene, that particular passage of Scripture that we are looking at. A lot of times, how do we do it? We are just reading Scripture and we are just seeing what it says there, which is fine, but I think a lot of times we fail to enter ourselves into that picture to see, here's what God is saying to me in this. Here is what God is trying to get me to understand from this as we work through it. And so in Christian meditation, here's what happens. As you find yourselves deep in the Word of God, God speaks to our heart and our life in such a way that we begin to realize there are some things in my life that I need to detach myself from and so in Christian meditation there's a sense of detachment now watch this where we try to detach ourselves from all our worries and concerns and so if we detach ourselves from something what do we do in turn we attach ourselves to God so you detach yourself from whatever the negative may be and you attach yourself to God and you only learn how that works through a spirit of meditation. I want to show you a scripture. I want you to look in 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Here's a wonderful biblical example from Paul to Timothy about this idea of meditate. I'm taking this from the New King James Version where Paul writes to Timothy and he says, Let no one despise your youth. But be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, or to teaching. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by the prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Verse 15, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. 
Now, I want you to stop there, and I want to show you something. Here, in a nutshell, is what it means to meditate, okay? It simply means to consider something. It means to remember, or another way that I really like is it means to rehearse something in your mind. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. This week, I want you to take any passage of Scripture, wherever you may be in your daily devotional reading, okay? And I'm assuming that you're reading daily the Word of God, okay? That's what God wants us to do as His people. He wants us to be in His Word. And so as you do that, and as you meditate on that particular Scripture, here's what you're doing. You're considering something. You're remembering something something and as Paul's telling Timothy you are rehearsing that thought in your mind what a beautiful picture what a beautiful image you rehearse that in your mind because here's what happens when you rehearse it over and over again in your mind where does it go from our minds where does it go to our heart And when it's on our heart, it cannot help but be in our life. Do you see the benefit of meditation? You're rehearsing the things of God. So I wonder right now, in your walk, and only you can answer this, what is it that you really need to be rehearsing with God? What is it that you think that God is speaking to you right now in your life where he's wanting you to rehearse and to remember something over and over again for yourself? You see, Paul calls Timothy, you rehearse in your mind all these things which God has given him. And you know why this is important? Again, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. God comes in a sense of meditation to help us rehearse in our minds to believe this truth. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. There's a simple truth that we need to rehearse in our mind. Here's another one. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. There's another thought to rehearse daily in our mind. If God is for us, then who can be against us? There's another thought to think about and to remember and to rehearse our minds on. Now, what's the key to all of this? You're going to love this. Practice. What's the saying? Practice makes perfect. Will we ever be perfect with any of these disciplines? but we're not ever going to get any better unless we try, unless we attempt to have some of these things as a part of our life. And so as you begin to practice, here's what you begin to see. As you go through this idea of meditation, sometimes we have heard it called contemplative prayer. This is just a calming of our minds and hearts so that the voice of God can be clearly heard, okay? Contemplative prayer. There's another one that's called inward fellowship. Uh, This is kind of 
the idea where, trans, where we are transformed into the personality to be more Christ-like in everything that we do. This is where we begin to realize that, you know what, the Holy Spirit is real. The Holy Spirit came and took up residence in my heart and in my life to the point to where I can say that I believe that Jesus is the Christ. Okay, The Spirit works in such a way that it groans and that it gives us the words and the feeling to believe that. Okay, So that's an idea of inward fellowship. Another way of describing meditation is simply finding ways that we can connect ourselves to God. So how do you do this? Well, I'm going to give you three practical steps this morning, okay? Because here's what happens. Meditation allows us to connect ourselves to God with all the things that matter the most from God's perspective. With our minds, what we're thinking about, with our hearts, and with our souls, what we're concerned about. Do we have a lot of concerns on our soul this morning? Do we have a lot of concerns on our souls day by day? Sure we do. You find ways to connect with God. You do that through a sense of meditation, and you rehearse and you remember the things of God. And so not only are you remembering God, but you are seeing how God in turn can work that will in your life. So I'm going to give you three things this morning, practical steps. Number one, you've got to set aside a specific time to make this happen. You've got to do it. If you've got to write it on the calendar, if you've got to put it in your phone for the alarm to go off to say, remember to meditate, I know that sounds crazy, but whatever it takes to get us connected and to call us back to what we're supposed to be doing as Christians in the first place, whatever it takes, find that time. Find that place. Find that place to be quiet where you're free from interruption and a lot of times we worry about posture. You know, as, as you go through Scripture, and I'm going to say more about this later, the Bible gives us a lot of different images of people in all types of postures. You have people sitting. You have people standing in the presence of God. You have people uh, with arms raised. You have people that are lying prostrate, face down to the ground. And a lot of you have talked to me about different forms and different images and different things that you do in your own walk with God. I know one man, uh, he was up in his 80s, and he said, every day of my life, after I realized that God had saved me after one heart attack after another, I realized one day I need to fall to my knees more, and I need to thank God. And so he was telling me about this one day, and he said, I mean, here I am in my 80s, but I found a way to kneel by my bedside the first thing of the morning. And you know what he said? I just thank you, God, that I have one more day to live for you. Wow. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what posture it is for you. But here's the whole idea. You find the posture that works for you in such a way, and here's, here's the idea about meditation, it's a sense of calming. It's a sense where you can slow down, and it's a sense where you can get more connected and more in tune 
with God. And so whatever that means for you, in other words, get comfortable, relax. Now, I'm not saying relax to the point that you're going to fall asleep, but get comfortable and relax to where when you're meditating on the Word of God, you are listening to the voice of God. You are enter, entering in to that picture of whatever you're looking at there in Scripture. And you're seeing what is it that God is saying to the people then and what is it that God is wanting me to hear right now in my life. As we close this morning, it goes without saying that we live busy lives, that we are busy people. But you know what? All of us have the same amount of time. And how we use our time and what we do with our time speaks volume and so i don't know where you are this morning in your walk but i know this god is calling you he is calling me to come to him and find rest to come to him and to see what this life living with him is all about remember you and I were created for so much more than we can ever imagine. Now let's go out in this dark world and let's live that way in such a way that all glory and praise and honor comes to God. And so, Father, this morning, we lift our prayer before you. And Father, we want to know you better. And Father, we ask this morning that you listen to our hearts and that you help us in our lives to get where you are. Father, we want to hear your voice. We want to follow you closer. And Father, we confess to you that too often we put so many other things ahead of of you but father we want to know you and we want to know that power that is available to us every day we thank you for the blood of your son jesus for cleansing us and for redeeming us to be called your people and i ask that you be with us this morning and help us father to rehearse in our minds the things of you it's in jesus name we pray and all of god's